Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 364. So thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table and sharing a little bit with uh, the community here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I now have been doing this show for about four years, and I'm so excited about uh, everything that I've learned. And I know that we've been able to share with the people who listen to this show regularly, or even those of you who have just tuned in for one episode. If this is the first time you've ever listened to an episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, thank you so much for being here. I hope that you will go back into the archives and listen to some of the other great episodes that we've done over the last several years, and that you will tag this in your iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify account, and that you'll come back twice a week and listen to the more interviews that we're conti- we will, I will continue to be bringing to you as time goes forward. We're just getting started with the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. So this show, I'm going to focus on the toy business. Now, you're probably thinking, Tom, what in the world do you know about toys? And the truth is, I don't know very much about toys, but this year, for the second time in a row, I had the honor to be the master of ceremonies and a speaker at the American Specialty Toy Retailing Association. That is Astra, and that is the trade association for people who own independent toy stores, these specialty toy stores that you see uh, in malls and on town squares where you go in, and it's, it's not like going into a Toys R Us, and, and we all know what happened to Toys R Us, right? They, they close their doors. It's not like going in there. It's going into a little a little mini community of itself. You walk in, and the people who work there are are so glad to see you come in. This is, this is the bread and butter of retail. So, of course, we all know if you pay any attention to the news and business that that retail has been under major disruption for the last couple of years. So you'd think, oh, my gosh, toy stores, you know, how do they survive in a world of Amazon? But the truth is many of them are flourishing. And the people who I got a chance to get to know over the last two years through being involved with this association as their master of ceremonies for their marketplace and academy, one of the greatest parts of this is I got to see that, that toy people are fun people. Think about this for a minute. Why in the world, how could you ever open a toy store if you were a jerk? I mean, the whole point of toys is about play. And these people who I got to meet, they live play every day. These people love what they do, and they are facing the changes and the disruptions that are happening in retail. They're facing them head on. You know, very few of them are sticking their head in the sand like an ostrich. They're trying to figure out how do we embrace the changes that are happening in the world, and and how do we flourish? So yeah, it's true that uh, brick and mortar has faced changes because of the online world, right? Amazon has changed the game, but it hasn't ended the game. One of the things is, is that with disruption comes opportunity. And that was something that the keynote speaker at this event, a gentleman by the name of Peter Sheehan, talked about. And he said that, you know, you need to move towards the disruption. You need to find out, instead of letting it get you, how do you get on board with the changes that are happening. You have to get more more focused, more detailed with what's going on. You need to be very clear about what business you're in. And you need to know exactly what you're trying to accomplish because those opportunities are going to be there, but you can't hide from it. 
You have to pay really close attention to what's happening. And more so than ever in history, you have to know your data and understand your numbers because the numbers aren't going to lie. You have to be paying attention at all times. So I found that these successful retailers, these ones who are figuring out how to harness the changes in the world, they're inspiration for all of us. Because let's face it, you can't be a brick and mortar store and not have a social media presence. You need to be creating a community where you're able to touch the people who care about what it is that you do, whether they're in your shop or not. And it doesn't matter if you actually have uh, sell products or if you're like me and you're an independent who sells services. You still have to be able to remain top of mind, to make people feel like they are connected to you and that they're part of that community. So this was a really fun several days for me. Uh, I paid attention. I went to some of the, the breakout sessions that they had. Uh, I also listened really closely to, to that keynote speaker that they had because he was very clear about some ideas in the changing world, things that we need to do. One of the things that Peter talked about and that I saw in him in the way he positioned himself to the audience, and then I went to his website and looked at what he was doing, is he asked a question of how do you show more credibility? How do you let your people know that you're the person they need to be working with. And I don't know that I necessarily always do a great job of that. I mean, I've interviewed over 300 entrepreneurs on this show, and yet I don't think that I, I lead with that. I don't think I let people know that I've had these in-depth, really intimate conversations with really smart people. Do you think that would add to my credibility when I'm talking to a potential client? When I heard Peter say that, I wrote that down and I put a big star by it in my notes thinking, you know, if I'm not telling people in some way, if I'm not showing my credibility, how are they going to know? It's not like they're going to go Googling it to find it on their own. And so that's something that all of us in business need to do. Now, I'm not talking about being braggadocious. I'm not talking about blowing your own horn, but I am talking about the fact that you have to make sure that you're leading with your credibility and letting people know who you are. And that doesn't matter what kind of business you're in because when people know that you're the expert, they're drawn to want to do business with you. So I also found that I learned a lot from these people about relationships because the ones I talked to who had really successful stores, they're really active in their community. They realize that the networking, the relationships, and how they make people feel about the experience that they have is really key to the success of their business. So the employees that they have and how their employees engage people right when they walk in the door, that is so important. That first experience, that first impression that people have is so important. But this isn't just for those of you who have storefronts. This is true for all of us. Sometimes your first impression is your website. Sometimes it's how you sound on the phone. Sometimes it's how they hear you on your podcast. Do you have that, that spark, that piece that lets people know that you're excited to be doing business with them? So anyway, what I did at the Astra Show is I walked around and I interviewed a handful of people who were either store owners or they were manufacturers of the toys and games uh, that were being marketed there in their trade show. And I asked them questions about entrepreneurship. And so what I wanted to do with this episode is I wanted everyone who listens to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, whether this is your first show you've ever heard or whether this is the 364th show that you've ever heard, I wanted everybody to have a chance to learn from these toy people because these are the salt of the earth entrepreneurs. These are people who are making things happen every single day. And I think the advice in these little short mini five minute interviews that I'm going to play for you now, I think that these are so inspiring. 
I think that we can all learn from the toy business because, as I said, with, with the downfall of Toys R Us and the rise of, of the online stores, I think that anyone who's out there slogging it out in brick and mortar and being successful, I think that all of us can learn from them, even if we're not in a retail situation. So please listen to the rest of this episode. Uh, get some you know learning that comes down from these really, really smart and successful entrepreneurs who roll up their sleeves every single day to make things happen. And before I play these little short interviews for you, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like the ones you're going to hear from now. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So enjoy these interviews because they're full of really, really smart tips that are going to matter to you. I'm sitting here with Mark Rapoport from Marky Sparky Toys from Escondido, California, and he actually won the Manufacturer of the Year Award here at Astra. Uh, Mark's a guy with a lot of opinions about business, and so, Mark, why don't you just tell me what, what's, what's going on right now in the world of, of entrepreneurship? It has never, Tom, it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur in this environment. You think it's easier? It's never been easier. Had I been an entrepreneur at this time in history, uh, I would probably gone out of business more times than I have already. But it's it, because of Kickstarter and the ability to reach people and the internet, it's so much easier and it's cheaper than ever to get into business. So, The toy industry, though, is undergoing a lot of disruptions. I mean, Toys R Us is gone and everything else. What, how do entrepreneurs in any industry deal with disruption? So... Again, for the fledgling inventor, somebody with a new business, it's of no consequence that Toys R Us is in or out of business because they're not selling to Toys R Us anyway. They're building a business from the ground up. And so if you have the ability to, to reach people via Kickstarter or social media and you can build it in a, in a cost-effective way, then you can get to those customers and, and even just do a viability check on your business before you've spent thousands and thousands of dollars and gone to your attorneys and done all the, all the building inventory thing. You don't need to do any of that anymore. You can just go to Kickstarter and get a viability check immediately. So that's, that, that when I was a kid, they didn't have that. It just makes it so much easier. And Toys R Us doesn't affect that in any way, shape, or form. So there's a gap between potential and results. I mean, a lot of people start businesses and they think, oh, I've got so much potential. And, and even their investors think, wow, they've got so much potential. And then we've seen it happen a million times. It doesn't go anywhere. What do you think the delta is between entrepreneurs who make it and those who don't? Well, obviously, the ones that make it have come to talk to me first. <laughs> um, the, it all comes down to whether or not you have a viable idea. And so if you have, um, if you have a good uh, support system and you don't, you don't leverage yourself out of business and you have a decent business mind, decent business acumen, then your chances are you're not going to go out of business. But given that, at this show, they, they said there's like 100 new vendors and 
more than likely um, 80 or 90 of them won't be in business next year. It's sad. Um, but the few that make it will only make it another couple of years, again, because they're not understanding what they need to do. It's The hardest part about being an entrepreneur is not spending money. You cannot spend money. You have to be funds. Uh, you have to preserve your funds. And so spending money where it's not supposed to be spent, along with having something that's not viable or that you that not going to sell well or is at the wrong price point or you're, you have the wrong demographic, all these things have to come into play. And so it's really hard to say who's going to be in business, who's not going to be in business, but you can pretty much look at somebody and go, mm, that's not right. I mean, the retailers walk by and they say, oh, that, that's the wrong price point. It's a simple thing, the price point, but they get it wrong so many times. Um, patenting things, spending you know eight thousand dollars on a patent that you don't need to patent at this time is a kind of a waste of money. Spending huge amounts on graphics and packaging and all that stuff before you have a viable idea. Again, funds preservation. Make sure you have the ability to spend if you're you know going to start your idea. So you've been an inventor. You're you're a person who takes products to market. Is it same thing for people who have services industries? You know, I, I really cannot talk to service industry. On my website, I have a thing called Coach Sparky, where I charge money to have people sign up on a little calendar, and uh, I charge them a little fee to, uh, for me to give them advice. In three years, I haven't had one appointment. So when it comes to service... I can't talk to it because I know nothing about the service business. I know when I make a product, I know how to, to either pursue it or not pursue it. And out of a hundred things that I invent, I maybe only pursue three. I'll take, uh, I'll take 50 of them to the 20 or 30% range, and then I'll take you know, five more of them to 70%, but I'll only take two or three to 100%. And of those two or three, I'm pretty sure that they're going to be successful at that point. But you got to learn how to edit your own ideas. You can't just do one idea and go, this is it. This is the one I'm going to do. And then, you know, move on. It just does not work that way. So do you think it's a learned skill to be an entrepreneur? Do you think these people who've been serial entrepreneurs who've tried and failed, tried and failed, have more of a shot of succeeding than the person who goes in kind of blind the first time? Oh, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. So... No, I do not think that it's not like that at all. The fact that you try and fail, try and fail, try and fail is not a precursor to getting better at it. I'm not, I, I, I use this all the time, I'm not the Oprah guy. I'm not the guy that says follow your dream, follow your dream, follow your dream. I do not do that. I never tell people to do that because I'm not the Oprah guy. I don't tell people to follow their dreams, never have been. I'm not the guy that will encourage somebody to follow some path that leads them into a place where they're going to spend their life savings on something that doesn't work. Um, following your dreams is not the correct way to do it. Be smart, know what you're doing, do your research, do all the things that an entrepreneur needs to do, then chase it. But if you find that nobody's getting it, don't follow it over a cliff. Just give it up and go on to something else. So that serial entrepreneur that starts messes up, starts messes up, that's the definition of insanity. Or from the outside looking in, you know what's going to happen. They're going to start something and you know it's going to fail because it's not right. Um, the serial entrepreneur can get lucky. I'm not saying they can't. There are people that have tried 12 things, run out of money, and on the 13th thing, got something. 
but this is not a luck business. You don't, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten into it if I had to be lucky. You have to be smart. You have to understand the business side of it. So that's all such phenomenal advice in just such a short amount of time. If somebody wants to find out more about you, how do they find out about Marky Sparky Toys? Well, the easiest thing is to go to MarkySparkyToys.com. And, um, you know, our website has a little bit of information about me. But um, basically, you just call. You just look it up and find our number and call us. Thanks, Mark. I'm here with Maggie Held. Hi, Maggie. Hi, how are you doing? Nice to be here. So tell me about your company. Um, so my company is Scriptfolio, um, and it is a script apply activity that nurtures imagination, fosters creativity, and it builds conversations. And it's a really fun activity for the kids to do, and I've developed it, and I'm having a blast. So uh, what did you do before you were an entrepreneur? I have a theater background, and um, so it's interesting because a lot of people come see my product, and they come to my booth, and they ask if I have a teaching background because it is a very educational product, and when I tell them that I have a theater background, they're like, well, I wasn't expecting that, um, but I do definitely come from more of a like deep-down entrepreneur place, and I've always been fascinated with marketing and advertising, and even though I did work professionally as an actress, I feel like now I'm actually in my niche and you know where I belong, so... So do you think, though, that really, if you're an actress or a singer, you're really an entrepreneur because you are the product and you have to constantly be marketing yourself? Do you see a correlation between that life and the one you're in now? Absolutely. And in fact, um, sometimes I wish I could just go to auditions as an entrepreneur, you know, um, because as an actor, I was able to get up every single day and restart and I'd go to like five auditions a day, hit the pavement in New York. You know, I was like a position player, right? First baseman. I keep going back in every day and I can keep trying. But in this business, it's a little, I feel a little bit more like a pitcher where I have a lot of time to wait in between each different opportunity. So, but yes, each person, each actor is their own brand. And I actually like to educate actors on realizing that you're, you are your own brand and build yourself around it. You are your own startup. It just happens to be you and your craft. And it is, it's, it's exactly the same. So sometimes when people start a business or start an acting career or whatever it is they're doing, they feel like they're, they're overwhelmed with joy about all the potential they have. But what I've found in the surveys I've done is potential doesn't necessarily equal results. So what have you found in both sides of your life, the acting side and the entrepreneur side, what do you think that delta is that allows somebody to go from opportunity to actually succeeding? You know what? It's, it's interesting that you say this because I, I feel like I learned a little bit more about this this morning um, because... I think our speaker said something like, you know, busy does not create results. And a lot of times I feel like the trap that I have fallen into is that, I'm, well, I'm crazy busy. I'm doing all these things, but am I doing the right things? And it's looking back. And I think in entrepreneurship, especially when you're dealing with a startup and you're dealing with a timeline, um, is being able to go, am I doing the right things? Am I taking too many meetings? Am I having conference calls that don't really lead to anything? And how can I manage my time better? And I've learned so much more about time management. And I realized that when I was an actress, I had time management. I decided what auditions were the most important, which ones I was going to go to, and I stopped going to the ones that were leading to nowhere. So now I'm going to kind of bring that knowledge into my entrepreneurship and make sure that I am busy doing the right things. And I think in pivoting and understanding where to go from there is the biggest learning curve. So what advice do you have for somebody who wants to start their own business? I have to say that if they're, you know what, there's an entrepreneur spirit, right? And you either have it or you don't kind of thing. And I have to say, like, if they enjoy getting ugly and having things not go their way, and if, and if you know, basically saying, hey, would you like to sit there and 
go to eight auditions in a day? Or does that sound exciting to you? And if the answer is no, then then it's not the fit because it's not a fit for everybody. A lot of people really like to be worker bees and they feel very comfortable in a setting. And then I think that entrepreneur spirit is curiosity. Are you curious about the world? Do you see things? Do you want to learn about other people's businesses? And if you're that type of person and you are like basically whatever that Disney quote is about, like the curiosity keeps moving. But if you are that person and you know you're that person, you're an entrepreneur. I think, I think it's just, we're all different people, but I would say, you know, you ready to get your hands dirty and will you enjoy it and enjoy the ride? And then, yeah, it's for you. So the toy business has undergone a lot of disruption the last few years. And the speaker today talked specifically, Peter Shahan talked specifically about disruption and change and it's constant, right? And you can't stick your head in the ground and you can't point fingers. What's the biggest thing you've learned running your own business that reminds you that you have to take that responsibility? Well, and I, and I love that part that he was talking about that today. It's, well, understanding, okay, when when to pivot, when to not, when to stick, and gauging it. I almost sometimes feel like I'm gambling, right? Because, but awareness. And what he talked about today about truth. Get the truth and then move it to awareness. And then, yes, it's so easy to for me to, oh, why am I not, you know, amazing and successful and wallow? You can do that for an hour. Maybe you can do that for an evening. But the next day, you better get right back to work and pick yourself up off the floor because, you know, it's not for the weak heart. So, yeah, understanding. It's okay to, you know, howl at the moon a little bit because that's who we are. But if you can't literally pick yourself back up the next day and get right back to work and have that clear head, you know, that that would be the biggest thing, too. You've got to be able to do that for sure. So if somebody wanted to find out more about your product, where would they find that? So scriptfolio.com. And of course, I'm on all of the social channels, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all of all of that. But you can kind of see demos. You can see a little video of how it works. And um, if you're a destination imagination person, you'll always see me at Global Finals. And, you know, it's just a cute little travel product. Grab it in your bag. Keep your kids busy. Get them off the phone for 20 minutes and start a conversation. So, yeah, it's a great product if you were looking to boost creativity in your child. My product's for you. So it's Scribfolio. That's S-C-R-I-B-F-O-L-I-O.com. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I'm with Michael Levins, and he is the founder of Innovative Kids. Michael, tell us a little bit about what your business is. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. So we do children's books and toys. Uh, basically started the company 27 years ago. I used to be work for a paper company. We used to sell to publishers, textbook publishers, magazines. Uh, and that wasn't the most exciting business for me, so I looked for a different need. And a lot of our customers uh, that were buying paper needed needs for a lot of other things. So we explored that and found out that they needed all sorts of gimmicks and games and toys uh, to make the lesson plans of textbooks more interesting. And that grew into what we do now, which are basically the toys and games for the trade, uh, for toy stores, bookstores, gift stores. And that's kind of how we got started. So toy stores and bookstores have undergone a lot of change the last few years. Amazon has come in. Toys R Us has gone out. There's a lot of things going on. How do you live in a world full of so much disruption? Not easy. You need to be able to make lots of moves quickly. So when we started the company, originally we did product uh, that was uh, for other companies. And we saw that they weren't necessarily moving faster or fast enough to respond to the market. So we kept changing and kept changing until we found the right model. Uh, and for us, basically, it's been that uh, since there is so much disruption, especially around technology, a lot of kids have lost the ability to really play freely. So we spend our time developing things that are purely 
outside of technology. We have no electronics, nothing to do with the computer, but basically just wholesome things that kids need to develop their uh, essential learning skills. As far, as far as distribution goes with, with toys, toy stores and bookstores, um, it's had to be a greater asset to them because they're also under strain. And since we start out with books, what really has changed is they were assaulted first by uh, the Barnes & Noble superstores, by the warehouse clubs, and then by Amazon. And they have found a way to succeed uh, by looking and being more neighborhood toy store, bookstore oriented, where people need a place to gather within their town to discuss ideas. And that's what we do to help them. So, you know, you said something a second ago that really resonated with me, and that was like kids not necessarily because of all the electronics, not learning how to have an imagination and to play quite as much. That's something that comes up a lot in the business world. And do you think there's a correlation for getting kids to be more creative younger and doing things more with paper and with their hands and having them be better employees later on? Well, I don't have a degree in uh, childhood education or adult education, but I would say that the skills that these kids are learning in their, their uh, key development ages are essential for what's happening later. Um, and I do remember reading an article about uh, other countries used to admire the U.S. based on our free education system uh, and the ability for these kids to have open-ended play and to think creatively. And now that we've gone to more testing, we've done the opposite and other countries seem to be doing what we used to do really well. So we do really want to focus on what those kids will learn at the earliest ages and take those skills so they can adapt them. And if you are a CEO or an entrepreneur, you are having to think very creatively day in and day out as you're, you're assaulted with new problems and new challenges and figure out a way to succeed under those conditions. So you've been in business 26 years, so you've probably seen a lot of other entrepreneurs come and go. There is this huge gap between potential and results. What do you think the delta is that helps somebody succeed and have a 26-year entrepreneurial career? Pure luck. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think what, what, what's required is seeking out really good advice from mentors, uh, and taking that and passing it forward and being really a good listener. Uh, so as you face these challenges that inevitably I think that the nature of what business is, is solving problems. Seeing a need, solving a problem, um, or having the need of your own company and a problem you have to solve for your own survival. And by listening and talking to good people and being adaptable and flexible, that has been, I think, the secret sauce for our ability to be successful through the years. So if you were to mentor a young entrepreneur who came to you and said, I, I want to start a, a business, maybe, maybe in the books and toys industry, maybe in some other industry, since you have this long track record, what would you tell that, that new entrepreneur? Well, I'd always say do your homework, not to the point where you do things in such detail that you scare yourself out of pursuing something you think that has potential, but talk it over with friends and family, understand what the concept is, let them criticize it, let them talk to you about what will work and not work. Uh, digest that, go back, and write your plan down. Um, and then if a week or so later after you've read it, it still sounds good and you're still passionate about it, then I would pursue it. So if people want to find out more about Innovative Kids, where do they find you? They can come online, www.innovativekids.com. They can come to our Facebook page or come visit us in Connecticut. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. I am so glad that I tracked her down in this giant toy trade show. I am with Mary Sisson. She is from Kazoodles. Uh, it's a store in Vancouver, Washington. And she actually this year was the winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award at Astra. So, Mary, how long ago did you start your toy store? We started in 2006, 12 years ago. And before that, were you always entrepreneurs? Were you always in the toy business? What did you do before that? 
We were not entrepreneurs or business people in the least. We, uh, my husband's a journalist, and I was in journalism and public information. So it was a learning curve from the start. So what made you say, you know, I mean, 12 years ago, we were already into this Internet boom. People were worried about brick and mortar. What made you say, we're opening a toy store? Because we love to go to toy stores, and there were none in our community. And we thought, Vancouver needs a toy store. So why not open one? So you've been successful. You've continued to, to keep your store open and grow. What, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to go into any industry, not just the toy industry, any industry that's full of disruption? What have you learned? What advice do you have? My first advice would be to find the association that um, works for your industry and join it and get active because you're going to learn so much and you're going to help other people um, by what you learn and what you share. So you're actually speaking to the choir here because I'm very active in the National Speakers Association. And i that's how I built my business is I got really involved with the trade association, not because the association itself did anything for me, but it was the people who I met. So I've been saying all week as the master of ceremonies here at this event that, that toy people are fun people. But what have you learned from the other toy store owners over the last you know decade plus? Well, I jumped in two months after we opened our store to edit the Astra magazine and um, I have learned about every aspect, I think, of the business because we wanted to represent um, manufacturers and sales representatives as well as retailers. So I've learned what goes on in their parts of the business too. And um, it really helps to understand where other people are coming from. So there's a gap between potential and results. So when someone opens a store, we think, oh, they've got so much potential. But not everybody makes it 12 years with a brick-and-mortar business. So what do you think it is that helps people get across that gap? I think, for one thing, it helps to have a spouse with a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also get involved in your community because they know that you are passionate about what you're doing because you're um, helping them, you're doing things for them. Um, I joined a board that... Uh, works with to advocate for child early childhood in our community, and um, I've taken all my um, certified play expert experience, and you know that just fits right in with what we do on the board. So a lot of people who are in retail don't think they need to network, that they need to be involved, you know, in in those chamber of commerce type things because you know they're not in a services business; they're they're running a store. So you're saying that networking is key. Networking is definitely key. You've got to do it. Otherwise, people won't realize you're there. So if someone's listening to this show and maybe they feel like their ladder's against the wrong wall and that they, they love something, maybe it's toys, maybe it's coffee, and, and they want to go start something, what's the last thing you would tell them that if you could give one lasting piece of merry wisdom, what would that be? SCORE is a fantastic resource and it's available all over the country. These are retired or just volunteer business people who know what they're doing and they're eager to share. So did you go to SCORE and get help? We did. We had a SCORE counselor and he was wonderful. So Mary, thank you so much for being part of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So that concludes episode 364. I hope you found that valuable. I hope you learned as much as I did from those really, really smart entrepreneurs. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. 
However, in the meantime, do me a favor. Jump over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. If you like cool things entrepreneurs do, go and tell a friend. The only way that I can face my goals of growing this show is with your help. If you go out and tell people, hey, I listened to this podcast and it's cool, maybe they'll join in and become part of our community. You can find out all the information you want about me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you want to join the group coaching program, the Potential Mastermind group, jump over to PotentialMastermind.com. But we are going to be back in a couple of days with another interview. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>